Welcome to the Forest FM Podcast, episode 50. I'm Killian Vigna. And I'm Zoe Dale Springer. This week on the show, we invite Michelle Bulger to discuss some salon legalities, policies, and best practices. And as always, we top off the show with our upcoming Forest Academy webinars. This podcast is produced every Monday morning for your enjoyment with a cup of coffee on your day off. Now, let's get into the show. Already November. Already November and episode 50. And episode 50, it's our, <laughs> it's, it's our first, uh, how do you call those? It's like a half centurion, yeah. a centurion. Milestones. Milestones, that's, that's the one. For, yeah. So, um, yeah, I suppose what better way to do our 50th episode than... Than to have a huge throwback to our early days. Exactly. And get Michelle Bulger on the show. So now on the line, we have Michelle. And Michelle's actually in a coffee shop in college at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> How's that going for you, Michelle? It's great. It's great. Um, I miss my colleagues dearly at ESA, but the coffee is better. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the college lifestyle, of course. Oh, college <coughs> lifestyle. Yes, 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 yes. Although I'm afraid I'm a bit too long in the tooth now to be kind of be living the vida loca with the rest of them. But we'll, we'll give me time. Give me time, people. And watch my Facebook. <laughs> so, yeah, if you just want to, um, so basically, like, You've been away, you've been kind of studying for these exams, you've been doing your FE1s and stuff lately. Um, do you want to share some light on what it is you're actually kind of progressing? Okay, so what I've been doing is, um, normally, you know, I, I um, do some articles for you and all your lovely clients in Forest. I have uh, given that task over to Joe Bolger, who is my father, so he's been writing them, so you'll have noticed a change in name. And that's because um, I completed my FE1s, which are the final examinations, um, to enter into the Law Society to train as a solicitor. So right now I am sitting in the very lovely Vanilla Cafe in the Law Society, and um, I am taking part in the first, uh, kind of the first bump that you do in the Law Society is called the PPC1, and that's where they train you to be a solicitor. Train you to be an excellent solicitor, I should say. Uh, so right now, it's not a question of learning the law. I've done all that. I have my law degree. I've done the FE1, so it's not a question of knowing the law. What they do in the PPC1 is they train you on how to do um, the, the procedures and things like how to put in plenary summons into the high court, how to do a will properly, how to make sure that your clients are totally protected and that you've done everything you can for them to make sure that their wishes are met. So that's where I'm at at the moment is six months and uh, those first six months, that'll finish in March. And then, then I will go back to a training semester to my, they used to be called back in the day, my master, <laughs> your master. So I'm sure he'd be delighted, um, amongst sisters, um, Emmett Butler will be delighted to hear I'm calling him my master. Um, <laughs> so I'll go back to him for 11 months and then I do the PPC2s where the, it's further training Um and of course, I'll be specialising in employment law. And then people get ready because then Shelley is a solicitor. And then you'll and be back. And all come to me. And then you'll be yeah, back then in the I'll be back And kicking ass and writing all your blogs for you. <laughs> anything that's needed for employment law. And you will be delighted. You won't need a coffee in the morning. You'll just be like, no, let me read that. Let me read that article Michelle did with Zoe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm alive and awake. Life is worth living. <laughs> oh, God, we missed you on the show. Is that not how everybody feels about employment law? No. <laughs> but you make it sound so easy and so simple. That's what we were talking about. That, that's exactly why we, oh, we brought you back. Charmer. because <laughs> charmer. Well, we had um We had your colleague kind of write a couple of blogs and we thought, you know mm -hmm. what, like, 
law isn't exactly the easiest thing. Like we were reading them and trying to get our heads around. We were thinking we should yeah. just get Michelle on to talk about it because you just make it sound so much easier. <laughs> no, but I do think that the problem with a lot of law when you're writing something, like when you're writing a blog or when you're doing something like that is the law itself is very straightforward. It's very black and white. Mm. Um, but life isn't. Yeah. And the thing with, with the situation when, when you do kind of think, okay, this has gotten a little, little out of hand, is there's so many incidences to it. There's so many parts to it that you kind of have to look at and judge. But what I would say to anybody, before you even start looking at legislation or before you start looking at the law, always guide yourself in your management of anything, any situation whatsoever. And this goes for employees as well. Is it fair and is it reasonable? Yeah. Common sense. Is it fair yeah. and is it reasonable? That's common sense. You know, so am I going to treat everybody the same way? That's fair. Is it reasonable? If I was to have to explain this, this is an extreme example, but if I was to have to explain this to a judge on the day, would I be happy repeating what I had done? Would I be happy telling somebody what I had done? Yeah. Does that make sense? That, that makes total sense, Because in the yeah. heat of the moment, you're saying to yourself, um, actually, you know, I'm fed up with them and I'm done, but you've also had a really bad week in work and, you know, there's been a load of things going on as a manager or as an owner of a salon or anything like that. You've had a load of things and you overreacted. The fact of the matter is, it's going to be clear in a week or two that you overreacted. And if you were to explain that situation and how you decided to act in a week or two, and you know in your heart of hearts, <laughs> you know that you overreacted to the situation. There's still a lot that you can do to fix it, you know, but don't let it continue either. Don't don't kind of just go stum and hope for the best. Yeah, because then it escalates. It'll be fair and reasonable. Yeah. It's basically your rational reasoning. Be, yeah. Everything can be resolved. People are people. You're going to have arguments. You're going to have, you know, remember, I mean, you choose your girlfriend, you choose your boyfriend, you know, you choose your dog or your cat. <laughs> you don't really get to choose the people you work with. You know, there's a lot to that, and yet you spend the most time with them. That's Typically, you're spending true. eight hours a day with them. So it's going to be a, a cooking pot. You know, it, it, it's going to be a lot of personalities, a lot of things in it, and you're going to have blow-ups. That does not mean you're a bad manager. That does not mean they're a bad employee. Everybody gets to have a bad day. It's how you're going to handle it and how you're going to handle it in the future. Okay. Sounds good, yeah. So That's a great way to uh, kick yeah. it off, yeah. <laughs> so we've come up with basically two subjects that your father, Joe, covered mm-hmm. this summer. So yep. maternity leave and also holiday entitlement. Uh, yeah. But then yep. we'll also touch upon Facebook and social media and how tricky that can be with employees, employers and stuff like yeah. that. That's the fun bit of it, yeah. That's the fun bit of it. We'll keep it for the last one. Uh, maternity leave I'm actually. Get a load of friend requests after this. <laughs> yeah. Or I'm going to have a load of people so block me. <laughs> um, okay, so do you want to talk about maternity leave first? Yeah, it was actually one of uh, one of the ones that got a lot of engagement, especially on social media. Because um, yeah. we earlier on this summer we chatted to Louise Caitness, and she's from Zestin Spa, and she was basically uh-huh. saying that when she got pregnant, another of her employees got pregnant at the same time. She ended up not having, yeah. not having any maternity leave, but she had something in place for her employees, and it was all very uh-huh. messy at the time. But that's kind of what brought us back to employment uh, employment law and asking yeah. what is it and how can you implement okay. that okay so first of all there's going to be when you're an owner unfortunately there's going to be those moments <laughs> you know um where unfor- i mean a lot of employees don't feel this way but i can assure you a lot of employers 
do this where they will do things for their employees that they wouldn't do for themselves, such as with uh, Louise there, where she didn't really get to enjoy her maternity leave, but she made sure that there was someone who came in for her employee. Mm. Now, maternity leave, as most people understand it, is that 26 weeks that a woman is entitled to when she has her baby. So four weeks, um, I think it's four weeks before the due date, and then the remainder of the 26 weeks thereafter, right? Yeah. Why is that important for employers? What do employers, first of all, think about? Well, one, there is no legal onus on an employer to pay an employee their salary while they're out. That defaults to uh, social welfare benefits, okay? Okay. So you're not paying them their salary while they're out. However, during those 26 weeks, it is protected by legislation. So what does that mean? That means that they're entitled to the time off and man are they entitled to the time off. (laughs) I mean, I tell you, those last three months of pregnancy where you can't sleep on any side and everything's uncomfortable and you can't remember the last time you see your toes, (laughs) you don't need to be worried about work, right? Right. So some employers will pay a salary or will pay some monies towards it, but there is no legal requirement for them to do so, right? So that's the 26 weeks. During that 26 weeks, it's protected by legislation. What does that mean? That means that you can't fire them for being pregnant. You can't fire them because they're not there. You are to leave them alone. So that means you're not to be texting them or calling them and asking them where such and such is or could they just pop in for a few hours because you're really stuck. That's their time for them to heal, for their bodies to heal, for them to get their head around this new little bundle that can't communicate with them. (laughs) Um, except through cries and gurgles and all the rest of it that is their time so ideally leave them alone okay now that doesn't mean that you can't text them if something kind of goes crazy it will depend on the employee how long they've been there and what their understanding is some employees are very nice and they'll say look you know if you need me for something if you want to call me about something but they are not required to come into work in any way or to engage with work in any way yeah Now, they're also entitled, pregnant employees are also entitled to three antenatal classes. So antenatal classes are the classes that you do before you have your baby to kind of prepare you for the birth and what your body's going to be going through and, you know, what you and your partner will be kind of dealing with. They're entitled to paid time off for those classes. So this is the mother and the father as well, is it? Exactly, yeah. Um, the father, if he works for you, if he is an employee as well, is entitled to that time off to attend those antenatal classes. But only three. Now, what are the responsibilities for the employee? Because that's important as well. Mm. In a lot of salons, um, a lot of your clients will be female-dominated. So I would hope that there is a very supportive environment, you know, for women who are pregnant. Um, And why is that important? Because an employer is obliged to do something called a pregnancy risk assessment when they find out that an employee is pregnant, as soon as they find out the employee is pregnant. The pregnancy risk assessment um, will look at things like how long are they standing? Have they any complications with their pregnancy? Because we know every pregnancy is different. The same mommy can have four babies the four pregnancies can be entirely different. Some are good pregnancies, some are bad pregnancies. Some have, you know, a bad week, bad month, complications. Yeah. 
So it's no good saying she's on her fourth baby, the other three were grand. You have to do a pregnancy risk assessment as soon as you find out they're pregnant. Now, if you have a negative environment where women feel that they can't come up to a manager and say, look, I'm pregnant, they're going to delay telling you that they're pregnant. You're not going to be able to do that pregnancy risk assessment. And then as the baby develops and their hormones change, let's say they get a reaction to a hair color. They get a reaction to um, a beauty treatment, you know, because their hormones will change, their skin will change. Yeah. That could be your responsibility. You could be liable for that. Um so you really want to create an atmosphere where women feel secure and confident, but they can, in confidence, come to you as early as, you know, as soon as they find out, you know, even if it's that morning that they find out, you know, that little positive sign comes up on the stick that they can come in and they can say, look, I just wanted to let you know I'm pregnant because then you can discharge your duty. I have had situations where women have been all the way up to six or seven months pregnant and afraid to tell their employers. And that would actually, that would come back on the employer then because they haven't created an environment that yeah. they, so. This well, there's, there's the environment, there's creating the environment. Ideally, you should have given them a handbook. Yeah. Um, their employee handbook, you know, the thing we keep going on and on about, <laughs> the employee handbook and their contract. And I know it's like, oh, Michelle, shut up already. But if you have that in place, you will have something on maternity leave and you will have something um, in it to say, look, as soon as you know, please come to us in confidence and tell us. So they have been told that it's their responsibility. But if they could prove, for example, that there was a hostile environment, that negative things were said about women, yeah, you could be responsible if there's any issues there. So just Okay, so maybe that's something to consider. Yeah. Just uh, like if I was a salon owner and so yeah. no one, none of my staff have come in with to say that they're pregnant at this stage. Yeah. The pregnancy risk assessment that you're talking about, is that like, is that a kind of like a guidelines that you can apply to get? Because you said you, you, you have to request it or kind of submit it. Is that just okay. you looking around your so own salon? Pregnancy or? risk assessment is, now we do it in the essay for a lot of our clients and we can do it over the phone. Okay. Okay. It's not something that's going to take hours. Um, ideally, you want it done by a competent person. The legislation doesn't say that it needs to be done by a health and safety qualified person, but a competent yeah. person. So, yes, you as the salon owner can do it if you feel that you are competent and able to do it and you're happy to stand over it if something goes wrong. So that's the first thing. Mm -hmm. You can get some, I'm sure you can Google some pregnancy risk assessments um, or go to the um, HSA site and download a, a generic pregnancy risk assessment. Now, what that pregnancy risk assessment does is it, it asks um, specific questions to do with, you know, oh, let me think of examples. Mm -hmm. How long are they standing? Do they feel warm enough? Because, again, a lot of women will feel, um, will be more sensitive to temperature yeah. when they're pregnant. So you don't want them getting cold. You don't want them, look, it's it's a... I know, I know there are women out there who will say, I rubbed my belly the whole time. I felt glowing and fabulous and wonderful. But equally, I know a lot of women who really struggle with it, you know, and there's tightening trouser, you know, <laughs> button issues, and they feel the cold, they're not comfortable, they could be scared, they could have complications, anything could be happening. So we really want to take out and we want to address early on any of those issues that they might be having. And we want to let them know in that very in that confidential one-to-one -one when they're having that pregnancy risk assessment as well, that if at any point during their pregnancy they feel they're having issues, 
Yeah. Right. If they start to notice that actually when I'm um, washing hair, I found that my hands are suddenly really drying up, it's uncomfortable, it's itchy, that they are confident that they can come to you and they can say, look, this is what's happening to me so that we can address it as soon mm-hmm. as possible. So, like as you're saying, you can reduce risks like that. What happens in the uh, in the case that you can't reduce a risk and that that person okay. just cannot stay in the salon? That's really important. Yeah. So you might have a situation where um, someone develops an issue. Um, now it might be an issue that they have themselves, uh, as in a complication to do with their own pregnancy. Um, it might be something in the workplace. When it's something in the workplace, let's say like like the chemicals that you're using on clients' hair or something like that, yeah. and it's something that you can't remove, there is um, there is an option for the employee to go on a thing called health and safety leave for the duration of the pregnancy. Now, health and safety leave is protected like maternity leave, so mm-hmm. it's not a case where they go on leave and then suddenly they get a letter in the post saying that they've been fired because they can't work or anything like that. It is protected. Okay. You know, this is about really protecting the mother and the baby. Why a lot of women don't like going on this leave is because the employer will pay their salary for the first few weeks of that health and safety leave, okay? Yeah. But then it defaults to the benefits payment, so there's going to be a drop. Usually it's a drop in their monies to this yeah. health and safety benefit payment, right? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of kind of technicalities with it. So I don't want to get too far into it, but um, ideally what we would ask employers to do is where someone presents and they have an issue, to do your best to you know navigate your way around the issue. You know, Is it a case whereby if it's a certain shampoo or if it's a colour that's bothering them, can you get them to wear gloves that are comfortable? Um, can you get uh, someone else to wash the hair? Could you get someone else to put it in? You know, is there anything else that they can do in there? Could they just do the cuts in the hair and have someone else do the colours? Really sit down with them and see what is the issue and are there, the first port of call is, are there any ways that we can navigate around this to keep you in the workplace? Only if it's a case of we absolutely cannot get around this. Yeah. There's no way to do it. Um, you know, maybe it's a case of it's a small salon um, and there's only uh, two or three members of staff and it's it's just not a case whereby someone can just do all the cuts and someone else does the colouring. You know, then, okay, we're going to have to look at health and safety leave. But what I would say is it's not something that a lot of women like taking. You yeah. can put a lot of pressure on women because it's a reduction in money when really it's at a time when they want to be getting as much money as possible so that they can prepare for the, for the new arrival, you know. So if that health and safety leave, if it's kind of like, if there is no workaround, is that pretty much instant? Like, I'm sorry, we can't have you in the salon. You're going to have to take it well, now. Or is there a little kind of grace period in between? Well, what we would look, what we would advise an ESA um, to do, first of all, is that as soon as the employee notices that there's an issue, if it's not something that's instantly um, kind of caught in the pregnancy risk assessment, which can happen, you know, they might not have an issue for the first three months, they might not have an issue for six months, and then in the seventh month, their body just goes bananas and suddenly decides, no, I can't be near the chemicals, you know, for whatever reason, and they're breaking out. The first instance, what we would say is, can you... Can the company afford to send them to a doctor to just make sure that that is what's causing it? 
you know, can the mm-hmm. doctor recommend things that they could get out of it? Now, I mean, a doctor's appointment is only 50 or 60 euro. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's not going to cost the world to an employer, yeah. but it might mean the world to an employee. Oh, I'd say so, so yeah. And it shows you're making you know, that effort as well. Absolutely, absolutely. So, I mean, again, there's no legis- legislative blah, 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 requirement <laughs> for that, but we would say send them to a doctor and make sure that that is what's causing it. It has happened in the past that someone might say, okay, this is what's causing I think it's the colour in work, and it ends up actually being the personal that they're using at home to wash the clothes. Hmm. Do you get me? Yeah. So just in the first instance, do what you can to really help them out and see. If the doctor comes back and says, no, look, this is an issue related to the pregnancy or, you know, it is uh, it is something that's work-related, then what we would do is we would recommend that you meet with the employee and sit down with them and say, okay, look, this is what the issue is. This is what it means to us. You know, I've looked at the roster. I can't see a way around it. Is there any way that you can see around this? Engage with them. Yeah. You know, talk with them, not talk to them or at them. Talk with them. Is there any way you can see around getting this, getting through this, you know? Now, if you can't at the end of that, then you're going to have to send a letter. I would recommend that you meet with them again and explain that there's no way around it and then give them the letter saying, look, we're going to have to put you on health and safety leave Um, for your health and for the safety of your baby. We're going to have to put you on this leave. Here's, Here's what this means. Your job is protected, you know, 100%. And the health and safety leave does not affect their maternity leave entitlement. So that's another thing. They don't need to worry that, oh, my God, I've had to go on health and safety leave. I'm only six months pregnant. Does that mean I have to come back four weeks after I have the baby? No. Health and safety leave is separate to maternity leave. But does that lead into your maternity? So, like, would you be on health and safety until maternity starts, is it? Until maternity, yeah. Until maternity um, starts or unless the issue resolves itself or goes away, which can also happen. Yeah. Hmm. So it's just a case of keeping communication with it. Exactly. Communication is key because I think if, if you take the time and you respect someone enough to sit down with them and go, look, this is where my problem is. I can't have you suffering from, let's say, eczema or, you know, being yeah. ill actually physically being ill because of the smells of something or because something touches your skin, it's not safe for you. I've sent you to the doctor. The doctor has confirmed that it is, you know, work-related or that this is a complication with your pregnancy. Um, It's just something, I don't want to say a side effect because pregnancy isn't a sickness, but, you know, it's, it's related to your pregnancy. But when I'm looking at the roster and I'm looking at ways how to do this, I can't see a way to keep you in here, to keep you away from those things. Yeah. And at the end you know, of the day, how much better is that yeah. than someone coming to you and going, "Look, the doctor says it's work related. We're going to have to put you on health and safety leave." Yeah, that's that's kind of harsh. Yeah, you know how offensive is that? Mm. You know. So, so Michelle, you've got so say you either you do or you don't have your health and safety leave. Then you yeah. kind of we've already dis- discussed the uh, the antenatal and uh, kind of during it is there any I suppose approach for when they come back so when an employee comes back to the salon do they still have any extra entitlements to anything else yep okay when someone is out on their maternity leave okay they are still accruing their holidays as if they were working Mm -hmm. right so their normal annual holiday entitlement is still being accrued and any entitlement to public holidays yeah right now, that's being accrued 
this is this is important. So it's it's not that I've I've slowed down. The coffee is still kicking in. <laughs> That's accrued because by law you cannot pay somebody for holidays not taken. So you cannot, as an employer, pay a woman who is on maternity leave. So let's say she's on maternity leave um, in August and it's August bank holiday. Yeah. Right. You can't just put through her wages for that public holiday in August if she's still out on maternity leave. You have to wait until she is ready to come back to work to pay her. So that right? null and void. How does that work? Yeah, yeah. This, this gets a little bit hairy now, so <laughs> stick with me, right? Do we need to get so a coffee as well, do we? <laughs> <laughs> I'd say a Red Bull. Now, what does that mean? When a woman is preparing to come back to work, right, yeah. she's either going to take the 26 weeks on its own or she can take an extended 16 weeks, right? Yeah, that, that needs either a notice. Way, yeah, yeah, the 16 weeks she doesn't accrue... Um, entitlements during okay but regardless of that four weeks before someone intends to return to work they have to give written notice to the employer to say hi employer um i've had a lovely maternity leave just to let you know um in four weeks on x date Hmm. i will be returning to work now they have to do that by law and it's actually very important that employees do that because the law is very strict there and an employer, if they don't get that four weeks notice, could potentially say, I'm sorry, you didn't give me the four weeks notice. Okay. Your job's gone. Oh, now, job's gone. I've only ever seen that happen. Yeah, I've only ever seen that happen once. Um, but but then when they it, do... It was awful, but that is the law. But then when if they do write that notice, notice, then they're yeah. entitled to get their job back. Yes, 100%. Okay. Okay. So they have to give the four weeks notice that they're coming back. Now, why is that important from an employer's point of view as well? Because they might just be taking the 26 weeks. So an employer might have hired someone on a fixed term contract to cover that maternity leave Mm. for the 26 weeks. They might also have said to that fixed term employee, I don't know if she's going to take the additional 16 weeks or not yet. Yeah. So there may or may not be more work to come. So the employee, the, the lady who's just had the lovely <clears throat> the lovely pink baby, <laughs> has to give the four weeks notice so that you as an employer can say, okay, fixed-term employee, I've gotten this in to say now that she intends to come back after the end of the 26 weeks. So you won't be needed for the additional six, 16 weeks. Yeah. Do you see where that's important? Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. So additionally, if a woman is going to take... Um, more than the 26 weeks, right? So she could take the full additional 16 weeks. She might only want four of those 16 weeks. She has to let you know as well what she's going to take at that juncture. That's really interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. 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 So you don't have to take those additional 16 weeks and you don't have to take the full 16 weeks either. But you still have to give... So let's say say you're only taking 12 weeks you still have to give the four weeks notice of when you're coming back, is it? Or once exactly. you're in those additional 16 weeks... Well, what you... I would say is you have your 26 weeks of what what we would class the normal maternity leave. Yeah. Okay, what most people would take is the 26 weeks. So on the 22nd week, at the latest, you want a letter from that employee saying, Dear employer, I'm coming back in four weeks. Or, Dear employer... My 26 weeks maternity leave is up in four weeks, but I would like 
to take 12 additional weeks. Okay, so you have to state so how many on the additional weeks you want to take. Week of maternity leave, they have to let you know, am I coming back in four weeks? Am I taking additional maternity leave? Yeah. Okay? Yeah. It's not okay for an employee to say to you, look, I'm supposed to be back in four weeks, but I don't know. And I have seen this happen. Um, I don't know because his mom said that she might mind the baby, but now she's being a bit weird about it. And I'm not really sure if I'm coming back. That's not good enough. Yeah, because you have to be very clear. At the end of the day, as is, the employer has another employee that they need to look out for as well exactly. throughout that period. Exactly. And it's the same with the additional 16 weeks. The additional 16 weeks doesn't mean that an employee can go, look, I'm going to take one week. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be taking more or not. It all depends on his money or if he gets this bonus. That's not how that works either. Yeah. Okay, it's not a week-by-week week basis. You you have mm. to kind of be clear and bite the bullet, unfortunately. Um, and I know it's very, very tough <laughs> for women. There's a lot to kind of... No, but for women and men, there's an yeah. awful lot to take into you know consideration. Are they going to get childcare? Can they afford childcare? Yeah. Will the sister mind them for two days? Will the mammy mind them? Will his mammy mind them? You know, what's going to happen? Mm. Um, and I get all that. But unfortunately we don't have a kind of a setup where we can give that kind of flexibility. So they will have to tell the employer yeah. Yeah, it seems, after coming back. It seems fair enough, yeah. Um, so it does seem fair. <laughs> just kind fair of... Fair to whom? <laughs> yeah. So you touched upon uh, a few like bank holidays and things like that. So maybe if we just yeah. move on to staff holiday entitlement. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because there was one thing there you were saying. It's like <clears throat> if you're still on maternity and... You come through, uh, so if you're on maternity throughout bank holidays, those can't be taken yeah. as holidays. But yeah, so it kind of brings us to another point of we hear this a lot, kind of coming near the end of the year. Oh, you have holidays you have to take, you can't carry them over, or mm. things like that. So, yeah. what are the legalities yeah. around those? Legalities? Yeah. Okay. Legal- <laughs> yeah. Look at you, Killian. Big, <laughs> um, <okay>. big words. <laughs> you're saying it better than me. I'm going, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so when it comes to holidays, right. Here's, here's the rule with holidays. If, I'm, I'm just going to take a stand, uh, an average, because it's easier to talk about an average yeah. um, for the purposes of keeping this kind of succinct and, and brief enough that, that your listeners aren't going to be slowly dying into their <laughs> um, or iPads. Um, so let's say the, the average employee is entitled to 20 days off a year. Yeah. Okay, so we're talking about a full-time employee is entitled to 20 days off in a year, right? That is their minimum. If they're working over 1,365 hours and they're full-time, they're entitled to 20 days annual leave, excluding bank holidays, right? Yeah. Those 20 days, you as the employer have to ensure that they have taken. You have to ensure that they have taken those days. If they haven't taken those days and there isn't something very strange or unusual that's gone on and they haven't taken those days, you are the person who is responsible for that. Could they take a case on that? Yes, they could. So Can they take a case and still work for you? Yes, they can. So how do you manage that realistically? Yeah. <laughs> what you're going to have to do is, I would say, every quarter you will get the lovely person in payroll 
to print off a list of your employees and to say how many holidays they're entitled to and how many they have taken. Right? Yeah. What is going to happen? The first quarter, okay, it's not going to be too bad. The second quarter is going to be interesting because if you find that you have an employee, it's come, you know, you've come to that point, it's June, July, and you notice that they still have 19 days left. You have to think, one, from a business point of view, okay, how are we going to manage this? In six months, they're going to be gone for 19 days. Yeah. You have to, it, it's going to be a flag for you as well. Um, why haven't they taken those holidays? What's going on there, right? Mm. What you can do as an employer, um, let's say it gets, you could, what I would say is anyone who's flagging with a lot of holidays at that point and you can't see that they've actually booked time off, you know, that they haven't booked two weeks off or they haven't booked anything. Yeah. You don't have to send out a letter. You can just call them in and say to them, listen, I'm after having a look here and you still have a lot of holidays left. What's what's happening there? Now, you're going to get the employee who goes, oh, I know, but I was planning to take two weeks off here and two weeks off when the kids go back to school. Fine, no kind of what's happening. You should say to them at that juncture, well, you need to book that in because it's the first come, first serve and if someone else takes it, yeah. you know, we're stuck. You might have someone who could go... And it has happened. Um, oh, uh, well, I'm actually saving for a house and I was going to ask you if you could pay me for those days instead if I don't take them. Absolutely not. It's not an option. There's, you are not paying them for those 20 days. You can't. It's illegal. It's going to get you in hot water. That's good to know. They have to take those holiday days, okay? Yeah. yeah. Um, you could also get the person who might turn around and say to you, oh, well, myself and himself were talking about maybe going to Australia or South America for three weeks, right? Now, why is that interesting? That's interesting because three weeks is a long time to take off. And you might want to say some, well, you can't take three weeks off in August. It's our busiest time. You know, you know so it's, it's yeah. good that way that you can start to kind of filter through exactly what's happening. Can you, as an employer, insist that somebody take holidays yes so if it gets to I normally give people until September to really kind of outline to me where they're going to take their holidays and when they're going to take them I would write down what they're saying they're going to take at that juncture and say right I'm putting it up on the roster that's what you're saying you're taking if they don't take them I would recommend that you call them in and say look it's now November you have 10 days holidays left. Yeah. December is mad busy for us. I'm allocating you these holidays. So you can actually tell they them might, when Dave to take you holidays? Can tell them. Yeah. Now, if they come back and they say, look, I know you said that I was to take Monday the 5th until Friday off, but actually could I take the following week? If that suits, that's fine. The, the point of this exercise is to make sure that they have taken their statutory entitlement to those 20 days. Yeah. And Okay. Now, if they come back and they go, oh, that doesn't suit me, and la, 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 and I didn't want to take it, it's kind of tough because in the nicest way possible, if they don't take it, you're exposed to potential suit. So they have to take it. So is that a case of, um, just before um, the whole exposure thing and kind of being subject to a suit, yeah. you were saying that you could make 
uh, an employee take holidays. But are you also entitled to, because you see it in like the hotel industry and stuff like that, and you know in yeah. salons when kind of November, December, they're going to be really, really busy. Are, you are entitled yeah. to say that you can't take holidays in this month or that month. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, you can block holidays. I know a lot of um, fashion retailers who would say, for example, right, um, let's say they have a lot of um, a lot of stores and they would have an area manager and then they have a lot of managers and supervisors and all that. They can't afford for the area manager and a lot of the managers to be off at the same time. So yeah. they will actually specifically say to them, okay, in the spring, in the first quarter, you're entitled to one week off and you can take that during the month of March. In the summer, you're entitled to two weeks off and you can take that between June and July. And mm-hmm. in the winter, um, you're entitled to one week off and you can take that during the month of October. But it can be specific enough that you can actually say these are your dates for your holidays. Oh, wow. So, so it's now, more a lot case of people of... don't do that. Yeah. A lot of people, I, it would, you know, I would hate for any employer to suddenly, you know, get the, with the pen out and start going, right, I'm going to start allocating everybody holidays because it's going to make my harsh, life yeah. easier. I guarantee you it is not going to make your life easier demanding <laughs> everybody take holidays, you know, when you said so. Because what they're going to start doing is you're going to get a queue outside your door the next morning of angry faces probably had the head chewed off them by their other half <laughs> and been sent in with a stern warning you know like Jack and the Beanstalk do not come back <laughs> unless <laughs> you know you have sold that cow and you have that first week in May off don't even look at me don't come home if you haven't done it um, you're going to get a really disgruntled workforce yeah essentially so essentially you just want to have possible. a clear idea of what's going on and why people have taken holidays or not yeah yeah exactly and I mean you're going to have to take it you know sometimes you're going to have to bite the bullet that you might be a little thinner in staff than you would like but can you work through it yes you can work through it Mm. you know if you can work through it do work through it holidays are important for people they're not um, you know I think in Ireland it's weird the way we look at holidays we look at it as people nearly skiving off you know (laughs) they've gotten away from work and it's like well actually if you don't give them that time off they're not going to function properly when they come back. So even from a business point of view, let them take their holidays. You need a refresher. Take their holidays. Yeah, make sure that they take them. Another little interesting thing that a lot of people don't know is that when someone does take their holidays, you are legally required to pay them their holiday pay before they leave. Really? Now. So they can actually get that in the paycheck before they go on holidays? They can get their holiday pay before they go on holidays, yes. Now, that I suppose said, that would I, be... I would take a guess that 80 to 90% of Irish businesses don't do that, possibly because they pay people monthly, yeah. they pay them every two weeks. It doesn't seem to be a big issue. In, in all the years that I am um, doing this, I have never seen someone put in a claim because they didn't get their holiday pay beforehand. Because that would be right, your kind of your fear of going on holidays. If I've booked the holidays, but I'm 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 losing two weeks pay because it doesn't come in till the next month. Yeah, I mean, you could absolutely like some people would be like, "Oh, I could really do with that money now before the holiday." They are entitled to it. So, should an employee come up to you and say, "I'm going on holidays," um, and if they say something like, "Can I get paid that week or that two weeks?" beforehand they are legally entitled to it that's hmm. that's a big one actually yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. No, it is a big one. Now, as I would say, like, I don't think I've ever worked for a company where they have done that. Um, it's always just been, you know, your pay is your pay and that's fine. But just so that your your listeners know, that is something that they are entitled to. And they're not being snarky with you. That is just the law, you know? Yeah, no, like... I say just the law. That is the law. Like you were saying, we were unaware of it. So surely the reason most people don't ask for it is because they're unaware of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, as I say, I'm I'm doing this bad. I'm not going to tell you how many years I'm doing this now. And I have never, I have never seen it. Even where I have gotten um, claims in from um, from a solicitor who knows the law inside and out, and they're doing what we call the um, the scattergun um, claim. You know where they put in everything. It's actually about one issue, but they they list everything from yeah. when the person first started, just so that you kind of really get your heckles up and go, "Oh Jesus, right, how are we going to handle this?" And they wouldn't. I've never seen it listed in even one of those types of claims um, because I suppose once the person's been paid they've been paid so what really are you going to go after them for yeah you know? exactly um, and if they didn't ask for it beforehand but if if an employee does ask for you before you know beforehand that is their entitlement um, dun, dun, dun. yeah no so, so much information to take in right now I can see imagine their faces yeah. and their eyes are just going oh, even our faces head. just now yeah. <laughs> <coughs> suddenly Zoe and Killian are off to the side on their phones booking a holiday <laughs> <laughs> I can do Vegas baby Mon Ryan Air well, already yeah. <laughs> yeah. but it's still only the money that they're entitled to they're not getting double the salary yeah yeah, yeah. do you get me it's still only their wages but it's like, that reassurance so that yeah it's that yeah. reassurance that you can have the money before you go on yeah. so when you go on holidays you're not doing that penny pinching because the money doesn't yeah. come in in your next wage check so yeah no that's yeah. The, that's definitely the big one for me in this interview <laughs> <laughs> well you see that for an employee is going to be a big one for an employer not so much but just remember um, to, now this is this is Auntie Shelley talking to you now just remember that you know when you get those wages that you're not getting your wages then for the two weeks you're on holidays exactly so you're, still, yeah. you're still down that money you know you're not making money yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> be better again if we make. Still going to come back and probably be eating cornflakes for a week until <laughs> the money comes back in. Yeah, right. So, okay, so those maternity leave, uh, holiday entitlement, and now we're down to our third one, which is yeah. freedom of speech slash social media. We touched upon it earlier days of the podcast. Even wrote a blog on it. Mm. My employee was out last night. They posted drunk photos last uh, on on their Facebook. Mm what can I do um, and then they called in sick yeah they called in sick yeah exactly <laughs> I love that one yeah, that <laughs> was a great so, one first off put your profile you private you like, yeah. are you dying and they're like oh my god I've never known pain like it they're like oh Jesus could you even watch Game of Thrones no I couldn't watch the telly oh, okay. um, can I just show you this <laughs> you bring it up yeah. and you actually see them genuinely feel as sick as they pretend <laughs> they've been over the weekend. Like, yeah. Love it. That's the uh. sick, sick part of me. But um, yeah, Facebook is very interesting, as is Twitter. And um, we have Trump to thank for that. Um, we all know, thanks to Trump, that there are times when we should just put the damn phone down. Yeah. Don't. Well, don't post it on social media. Not everybody needs to know your opinion. Um, so, the problem with Facebook, I think, is that we're not sure as a society what Facebook is. Right? It mm-hmm. means very different things to different people. Some people use it as nearly um, 
A journal. A projection of who they want to be. Yeah. Some people use it as a journal, right? Yeah. Um, I would like to say to those people, I don't care what you had for lunch. <laughs> um, it really, you know, was not worth me checking out my phone to see that you had a salad. Um, or that you made a smoothie at home. However, those things are not offensive. Yeah. Um, some people use it to vent. We all know, I, I know right now, you can think of your top three people in your Facebook friends <laughs> who just vent all the time. They vent and they rant, right? Yeah. Um, and again, what I would like to say to those people is this isn't healthy. It's not a healthy expression of your feelings. You're not doing yourself any good. <laughs> <laughs> Redirect. Redirect people. But what can happen is, because it means so many different things for different people, um, and there's no kind of qualification on it, that people do use it in their own ways, and they do use it um, to express themselves in ways that they probably wouldn't in a face-to-face scenario. Yeah. Now, can an employer put restrictions on what can be put on Facebook? Yes. But what's important for the employer is that they have a policy set up to deal with that in the first instance. Mm -hmm. There's no point having never talked to anybody about it before, having no policy in place, having, you know, there being absolutely nothing. An employee leaves work one day, she had a load of snotty clients, you chewed the head off her for something she forgot to do. Mm. Her mom is sick, her kid is sick, she's just had a crappy day, um, and she leaves and she says on Facebook, um, such a shit day in work, wish I could pack it all in. Now, are you going to fire her over that or him? You know, people have. People have. But we wouldn't recommend it. We wouldn't stand over it. Um, one, because what they've said there is they've had a shit day at work. They haven't actually said anything, said about, anything specific yeah. about yeah. anybody. Um, they haven't named out a client. It might be an opportune time to call them in and address that you know look to yourself before you look to them and kind of say well what did happen today that she left here that annoyed um you know how did that go did we overload her with clients um what what were the issues with those clients were they justified issues you know there's a lot that you should be doing in-house before you just jump on the employee as well yeah you know there's a lot that that message can tell you there's a lot that you can look at now there's very different levels of what people will say on facebook Yes, and the definitely. fact of the matter is, yeah, there's very different worlds. We all know we can all think of the we can all think of a, a post. I guarantee you, in the last week or two, that we've kind of gone, "Holy mother of God, yeah. what are you doing?" And it usually, you know, it um, usually follows by unfollow that person. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But um, or else, if you're a really good friend, you know, call them up and be like, "Get that down now. Yeah. Get it down yeah. now." Um, but. It can vary, and that's the that's the problem with Facebook and with the cases that are coming up. You know, because um, it is a I hot topic to at the moment. Go ahead, sorry. Because it is a hot topic. Like we were speaking off air, and you were saying it was a very yeah. hot topic in the US at the moment, especially. Yeah, it's it's crazy because um, I, some of the examples I was giving in the US were um, a teacher, an American teacher who looks lovely by all by her Facebook account, <laughs> very lovely and wonderful. <laughs> came to Ireland, went to the Guinness Storehouse and had a few drinks and took pictures of herself enjoying a pint of Guinness and having some glasses of wine, being on her holidays. 
yeah. returned to the States and was promptly fired by the board because they felt that those pictures didn't reflect what they wanted um, from their professional cohort of, of teachers. Now, that case hasn't been heard yet. It's still only listed. Um, but I would be inclined to think that she is going to get her job back because she was enjoying drinks on her holiday. She wasn't teaching. You know, she wasn't in charge of anybody. It was her private time. She was enjoying drinks. That's yeah. fine. And it's um, on her own personal account, like, yeah. It's it's on her personal account. Then we have one of a, um, a cop, and she put down on Facebook how she had essentially ninja kicked a hospital worker in the face, broken Jesus. his glasses and busted his nose, and was bragging about it. Um, she was fired because she has herself down and identified on Facebook as a police woman, police person. Yeah. I yeah. don't know what's PC anymore. Police officer. <laughs> the employment law people making everything PC. Um, <laughs> so she had her, <laughs> when will it end, people? When will the madness end? But she had uh, she had identified herself as essentially a public servant and, you know, carrying out a, a very aggressive act um, that was totally illegal and she was promptly fired. So we can see the difference in, in those uh, those two scenarios. Um I can also think of just one that might be titillating for everyone involved of um, cheerleaders in America. Calm yourself, Killian. Um, <laughs> they were fired for um, they were fired for putting up a picture on Facebook, right? Right. That um, that wasn't congruent with uh, how their employer wanted cheerleaders to be seen. Now, I put it to you, Killian, and Zoe. <laughs> That one might think that these pictures were of them in the nip, right? But it wasn't. The pictures were actually of both of these insanely beautiful women dressed in tracky gear. So nothing really on show. Yeah. However, they were drawing on an unconscious man on a couch, clearly just zonked from the drink. And what they had drawn on him in markers were uh, with a penis on his cheek uh, and they had written I'm a Jew on his arm no there was loads of other scribbles all over my he was like a four year old colouring book he was covered but because they had drawn the penis and because they had written I'm a Jew that was considered um, now this was on their own time they weren't representing anybody at this party it wasn't a a, a function as it mm. were it wasn't it wasn't anything like that but they were representing um they were still representing they, they the brand, were still yeah. Being seen as representing, yeah, yeah and it, it just wasn't considered right, so they were promptly fired. Yeah. Surely, those cheerleaders would be, almost be at a level where they'd be recognised by people in in the in the public. So yeah, yeah so they're representing well. a brand, but they, they're also kind of their own. It'd be like not on the level, but of an actual footballer, say. Yeah, yeah you kind of yeah, have like no, a certain I agree, responsibility. I agree. Yeah. 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 So, so just, that's why it's it's hard to kind of give a this is what you should and shouldn't do on Facebook because yeah. you're going to have different levels of I suppose um, of employees of clients. There's a lot of salons out there who deal with um, what we call celebrity clients, you know, um, anything like that. Um, 
you have to be sure of yourself as a manager or an owner of a salon. What are you going to allow? And if you're the person, if you're the manager and you say, oh, no, I get on great with everybody here. And I'm always, you know, you send every text with a kissy, kissy, kissy at the end of it, <laughs> you know, and it's, hi, honey, um, can you come in tomorrow? Um, could you cover for me? Uh, going out tonight, I'll be in outfit state tomorrow. Kissy, 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 kissy. Well, really and truly, are you not kind of opening the door? for them to send something like that back to you. Um, If you're someone who uses Facebook and you use it in a way, um, you know, if you take a picture of an employee and I have seen it done, you take a picture of an employee and go, Hedner, um, she was out all night, you know, poor, poor Sarah or whatever. Well, then your employees are going to do that as well. You're giving them the opportunity because you're the manager, the leader, and if that's what you're doing, they're going to follow. Yeah, so, so be mindful of how you are using Facebook. Be mindful of how, if you're in a salon as well and you're saying to your clients, even your good clients that you've known for years and you're going, oh my God, um, I feel so sorry for her. And today she was out till two in the morning to head her over there and she's working on a client. That's not professional. Yeah. Because what you're saying to your client is, one, she is hung over to hell. <laughs> she probably shouldn't be doing someone's hair and she's dying over there. Two, I'm gossiping about a colleague to you. Um, and I'm kind of, I'm, I'm publishing that in a way as well. You know, so be mindful. If you're going to put in a policy, you better stick to that policy yourself. Mm-hmm. And the tone that you set on the day-to-day in work is going to have a huge impact on that. So you were saying earlier about kind of, and just what you touched off there, um, mm-hmm. So if you put up a post on Facebook, oh, I had a shit day in work. Now, kind of be rational yeah. there because it's being generic and they're not actually dissing anyone or anything. But yeah. if I put up a post and actually kind of started dissing... Mean, yeah, Disrespectful, even mean towards d- a client even. Yeah, yeah, so even if I didn't yeah. use the client's names, I was just kind of, I suppose, slagging some clients off. Would that be... Yeah. Would you have a stronger stance there now? Oh, 100%. I mean, there's there's a few things that are kind of popping off my head right now as I'm thinking of that. One, remember that Facebook is published material. So essentially, when you put something in Facebook, it is as if you had published it in a newspaper or yeah. a magazine. Yeah. Right? So think of it that way, first of all. When you interact with Facebook, that is what you are doing. Facebook, Twitter, anything like that. You imagine that it's your own newspaper and you are presenting this to the world. Right. So in the same way as if you said on Facebook to Zoe, um, oh, my God, that Michelle one um, couldn't stay awake. She's just so boring. And uh, have you seen the state of her? Yeah. Right. Mm. You say that, you know, people would know that you're talking about me from that because they knew that you were dealing with me this morning. They knew that we were doing this um, this interview. I'm recognisable from that. Because I'm recognisable from that, there is actually potential there for a defamation case under the Defamation Act. Mm. Right? So be mindful that it's not just even employment law there. You could actually be opening yourself up to... An actual... Case. An actual suit, suit as opposed to a claim or a disciplinary action or anything like that. Yeah. Um, from the employer's point of view... Yes, 100%. If someone puts that out there and they send it to, you cannot know how many friends Zoe has on her book. You can't know who they know and who they're related to or where that's going to go. Once you publish that, you don't know how far that's going to go. And what? I don't know if anybody's... 
seen on Facebook. Have you seen it? A lot of schools now are putting up um, posters and it'll just be a picture saying, um, we're trying to teach um, third class how... um, how far posts on Facebook can go, please like and share and tell us what country it ends up in. And it's to show them that something that can start from a classroom in, you know, Dublin can go to China, can get thousands and thousands of views. You have no control over how far that goes. Yeah. Yes. So if you are going to say something, it's not that you're, you do not have a defense to say, oh, but I just said that to Zoe. You know? Yeah. Uh, it's muddy you know, waters. Yeah. Not what said it to. You know, you have no idea how far that went. You don't know if that got back to the client. That's detrimental to the business. And most companies, again, I'm coming back to the boring kind of we should fix element of it. Your policies, your procedures, your contracts should have reference to this. If you bring the company into disrepute, you will be subject to disciplinary action. Does that mean you have to do disciplinary action and fire them? No. You can bring them in and you could give them a caution. You could bring them in and you could find that well, actually, you know, there were reasons for what they said and I don't think it deserves a disciplinary action. Or, yeah, if it was serious enough, you could potentially fire them. For there's no there's no kind of one-size-fits-all for mm-hmm. this. You have to look at the whole thing. If someone puts it up on Facebook, though, and, yeah. like, if you bring it up, do you have to have proof of that post? Because, like you said, if if you put up a post that could get viewed in China almost minutes later. Mm. So if you took a screen, yeah. if they deleted it, but you had a screenshot, then yeah, you have the proof. But if they deleted it and you saw it, but didn't have screenshot proof. Okay. That's a really good question. I'll tell you why that's a really good question because it's, there's, there's a few bits to that, right? And, and I have had a lot of employers come to me with that. If you take a screenshot, well and good, you have the proof. That's fine. Yeah. Right. Let's say, there's two scenarios here. Let's say another employee comes up to you and says, right, um, I don't know how to tell you this, but Sarah was up on Facebook last night and she was saying the most outrageous things about you, you know, that you were a shit manager and that, you know, she could run the place better herself and a load of different bits and pieces, okay? What we would ask you to do in that situation is that you would ask that employee to actually put it down in writing, what they had seen. Think of in-house disciplinary action more like a Judge Judy case. You know where Judge Judy kind of sees the two people and she goes, no, I believe that this is what happened. Yeah. You know, but she kind of takes a side because it doesn't have to be proved beyond all reasonable doubt. So if the employee comes to you and says, look, I thought you deleted it then, we would ask you to get that employee to write it down. That that's what she had seen. Now, your problem there is you might get an employee going, oh God, no. No, it can't. It can't come from me. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fair enough. Okay. Yeah, you can be, you do have a right to say to them, you're after telling me this, you're obliged to write this down for me. Do you want to do that? Maybe not. If the employee took it down straight away, might it be more worthwhile in the first, if this is the first time it's happened, to actually call that employee in and say, listen, without naming names, I know that you were up on Facebook last night and you said X, Y, and Z. Do you want to talk to me about that? Why do you think I would have a problem with that? You know, where is that going? And just warn them. If the employee still has it up, (laughs) it's going to be a different conversation. If you yourself have seen it, that's fine. You don't need anybody to write it down. You can call them in and say, I saw this last night. Now, I know you've taken it down since, but I saw it. I have a problem with that. And you can still discipline them. You don't need to have the physical proof there. 
yeah, so the main takeaway there is if another employee saw the post, they would have to write yeah. it, put it down in writing or you have no stance. But if you've seen it yourself, you, you kind of bring them in and talk about it. What I would say is if the employee who comes to you says, oh, God, no, I don't want to write it down, okay? Yeah. You could still call the offending employee in and say, look, I know that you did this last night without naming names, without saying, look, Sarah came to me this morning and told me that you did this. You yeah. could say, look, I know that you put this up on Facebook last night. What happened there? But if you're going to go through a disciplinary action, how can they defend something when they have no way to, to see it or to know who said it? So you can't call someone into a disciplinary and say, somebody, but I won't say who, said that last night you put up something on Facebook, but it's no longer there. But I'm going to, I'm going to discipline you now and it could lead to you losing your job. Why is that a problem? Because you might not know that Sarah and this employee have had a long-standing feud over an ex or, you know, something's been going wrong and Sarah's made it up. How can that employee defend herself? Yeah, that's... Yeah, so it needs to be backed up, basically. It needs to be backed up. Does it mean that you can't call the employee in and say, listen, I'm after hearing that this went up on Facebook last night, what's that about? That they might turn around and go, gee, it did not. Nothing like that ever happened. Oh my God, why would I do something like that? You're going to have to play it by ear. On the other hand, they might go, listen, I had a few drinks on me. I shouldn't have done it. I'm mortified over it. Um... I can't apologise enough. You know, and you're going to have to make a call. Are they a long-standing employee? Is there a lot going on? You know, was it that offensive? Again, it's kind of hard to give really... I feel like I'm letting you down by not giving you specific advice on it, but because Um, there's so many variables to it, um, it's more how you approach it. Again, like I said at the beginning, fair and reasonable. But that's it, yeah. You're kind of... You're you're identifying how to approach it. So, like like Facebook is still so tricky... Like you were saying, um, it's a growing yeah. technology. And it's, it's a great, just, yeah. yeah. It's it's such muddy waters when you think about it. It's a great area, but and be rational. I suppose report. There's going to have to be a few sacrificial lambs in that we're going to have to get a bit more case law. We're going to yeah. have to see it go through um, through the courts hmm. to get some some real hold on it, real traction on it, so that we can guide. But what I would say to people is, you know, if you are hiring, if you have a lot of staff and they're 18 to early 20s, they are going to handle Facebook very differently than, let's say, if you have older staff. Yeah. Right? So be aware of the group that you're dealing with. Be aware of the age. Be aware of what they're coming with. Be mindful. You know, you have an obligation to put a policy and procedure in there. When they're being inducted on that first day, would it really be that bad to have a list and on that list, to go through that list, here's the fire exits, here's what payday is, here's the uniform, and um, by the way, this is our policy on Facebook, you know, mm-hmm. da, 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 da. and then to support that in your day-to-day work. That's the really tough bit, Yeah, is, is actually, you know, I mean, I suppose it's nearly like a diet. I could sit down and write the world's most amazing diet right now. We're all going to lose 20 stone in a day and have glowy skin. Our hair and our nails are going to be amazing. The hard part is following it through every day. Yeah, and I suppose when you when you look at it, like I look at like maternity leave, uh, holiday entitlement, Facebook, freedom of speech, it all comes down to two things, basically, communication and procedures. To have it in yeah. your, your salon's policies and to be able to, communicate properly with your staff yeah you know and a lot of issues you will find um look policies and procedures are great they you know they they you and you need them in i cannot stress enough how much you need them and it's not for 
the 99% of your staff. It's for that 1% when something goes wrong. You need them in. And I guarantee you when something goes wrong, you will not regret having put the money or the time into those procedures. I can guarantee that. Yeah. So, and there's very few things you can guarantee in law or in life, you know, <laughs> that I guarantee you will not regret putting the, the, the money and the time into. However, even where there are breaches, and whether it be the employee breaches or the employer breaches, there are, I would say, God, 80, 90% of things can be resolved by talking them through mm. and can be resolved very quickly and informally by talking them through. The mistake that a lot of people make, especially managers, is that they ignore it, they're too busy, they don't deal with it then and there, or they think that a text or a phone call will suffice. A text and a phone call will not suffice. You have to meet the person face to face because a text, you can get the wrong tone across. You know, um, yeah. a text seems like I couldn't be bothered with you. A phone call, you need to read someone's body language. You know, you really need that eye-to-eye contact to kind of be like, okay, are you getting this? Do you understand where I'm coming from? You know, is this a meaningful conversation? Um, so where there's been a breach, where there's been an incident, even where you think it's going to end up with disciplinary action and it's very serious, I would always say to someone, be it maternity leave issues, be it um, staff holiday, be it a Facebook issue, anything like that, always always in the first instance as soon as possible make that issue your priority get the person in and talk to them one-to-one confidentially in a private area this is not something that you do at the till yeah, right, where people are coming in and out yeah. you are going to talk to them somewhere that's private and you're going to let other people know i'm talk. i'm i'm just having a quick chat with jane here for a minute um don't anybody come in don't put any calls through to me we'll only be 15 20 minutes you would be amazed how much how much crap that will get out of the way and will maintain a good working relationship. If you ignore it, it's going to fester, it's going to rot, and then you're going to have an issue. And I suppose there's always no harm, like if you feel like this is an issue that's going to keep on happening, there's no harm in just making a log of it, recording it. So you can, like worst case scenario, when it comes to a boiling point, you have a case, you have all of the p- previous events that have built up to, listen, Look, this isn't working I love out. It. Yeah, I I love taking a note of something. And what a lot of people get hung up on is they think that a note has to be legally, has to be, you know, very formal. Send an email to your own account. um, Scribble it down in your diary. Just note the date, the time that you had the meeting and one or two bullet points on what was said. Just one or two. Something that you can pull out and say, no, hang on a second there, Jane. We had a chat about this three months ago. Do you remember on such and such a date, I called you in and I told you about this. And then last month, I had another meeting with you and I told you, do you remember on such and such a date? Because if you're going, I've talked to you about this before, it just, it's not good enough. And then if things escalate where a claim comes in or you want to be sure that you want to discipline, you know, you're sure that you want to discipline someone, that information is really important to making sure that you as the employer are as protected as possible in going through with that action. 
Exactly. Yeah. And on, okay. on, on that, rant over. <laughs> no, I'm no. just looking like on that note, Michelle, like this has probably been our longest episode. Oh, it definitely but has, but it, it was so good. It was needed because we've covered maternities, we've covered uh, yeah. legalities and posi- uh, policies around holidays and kind of time leave and stuff. And we even managed to cover yeah. Facebook as much of a grey area as it is. Uh, sure, it's our it's our 50th episode, our milestone, first milestone. So yeah. there you go. Oh, hold on, I'm going to give you a clap, ready? <laughs> Go you guys. Um, no, as I always, for as <laughs> always, you've managed to like put clarity around kind of sticky issues and just, I suppose, made it nice and simple. You are not expected to know everything. You can't know everything. So never be afraid to ask for help. Never be afraid to call around. If you call um, a provider, even like ESA, for example, and you don't like them, you don't like the answers you're giving, call someone else. Yeah. And citizens' information now, it's not a hundred percent proof. It's not a hundred. I will, I will caution anybody that it's not a hundred percent proof. But they do have amazing information up on citizens' information as well. If you're in that situation where you, you kind of you want to know more specifics, you've seen something on the forest blog. You want to see something a bit more specific on it. You don't have maybe the funds to, you know, go to a provider like ESA, then go somewhere like Citizens Information, call them up, ask them, ask Nira, it's free. Um, but never be afraid to ask. And there's no way that sometimes, you know, people will preface a call to me and say, look, I know this is a stupid question. And I would say to anybody, like, really, I know it sounds a bit trite and a bit like a school teacher. There are no stupid questions. There just aren't. You know, always ask find out for yourself because once you're sure you will feel more confident going forward and it's more important I would rather a hundred people ask the same question a hundred times and eventually get it right than nobody ask the question and we just keep getting it wrong everyone's walking Always around ask. headless there's lots, of, mm. there's lots of sources out there for you to get the information if you are too busy for it and you just want a quick answer then yes a provider is a great way to do that but um, workplace relations commission are very helpful if things get to that stage NERA is very good and citizens information and we'll throw all those links into the podcast yeah. description. Absolutely. Michelle, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. It's been brilliant. You're yeah. very, very welcome. Anytime, my lovies. Anytime. <laughs> okay, take it easy. Well, listen, have a great day and enjoy the rest of college. You too. Enjoy highlighting. <laughs> I will. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. So that was Michelle Bulger from ESA Consultants with a mindful of information there. Um, yeah, it's going to be a really long episode, but definitely worth it. Definitely. Like three, four major areas covered there. Yeah, um, and to be honest, we'll get her back on the show later on at some stage just to keep doing that. If, if every few months, you know. She's refresh. our first FM regular, just ah, like Valerie yeah. Del Forge. Exactly. They're part of the furniture now. <laughs> <laughs> right, so what do we have for the webinars this week? So we have one webinar this week, and this is for Forest Salon Software clients. It's the Salon Growth Series. Boost your online presence and attract new business. And that one's going to be hosted by Neve Greeny in-house here. In this chapter of the Salon Growth Series, Neve will compare what's more important, word of mouth marketing or reviews. You'll learn how crucial your online reputation is to the success of your business. She'll analyze what potential customers are searching for online. And she'll help you identify the three key areas you need to position your salon. 
that sounds pretty great. And then on November 20th, we have the Instagram masterclass, which we always have every month. And that's from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. UK Ireland time or uh, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. US Eastern time. And the way you can register for this um, is go onto our Facebook page into the event section. You'll find Forest Academy Instagram masterclass event. You click on that and then you can find, find tickets or uh, ticket information. We'll drive you to a landing page, fill in your details and get your unique link. And as always, the webinars are free, so jump on board, guys. Free information. No better way to learn than hands-on. Exactly, yeah. So we're not going to hold you any longer. Have a wonderful week, and we'll catch you next Monday. All the best.